Welcome to this Archives podcast on the Equipped series of articles, the first of which is published in September 2013's Education and Practice section. I'm Ashley Reese, Katot Pediatrician, and with me are two of the authors of this series of articles. Hi, and my name's Bob Claver. I'm a general paediatrician at Imperial and been involved in rounding up and supporting a really fantastic group of people putting these articles together. My name's Alice Ruscio. I'm a paediatric trainee, general paediatrics, coming to the end of my training, and I've been um, involved in contributing for some of these articles and expanding my quality improvement knowledge and experience. We're here to talk about quality improvement with reference to these articles. Bob, can you tell me about the journey to publication for this selection of papers? Well, I think there's a lot of people who have got a real interest and curiosity in quality improvement. And it's been around for a long time, a century or even longer. And um, people have perhaps not been able to access ideas around improvement in their everyday work. There are plenty of things that we all do and see that could be better, but it's never really been put out there for people to learn and think about how they might deliver improvements in a sort of systematic and thoughtful way. So there's an evidence out there, there's lots of tools and methods, but actually there's been a real disconnect, I think, with the sort of mainstream group of paediatricians and other healthcare professionals working in child health with having access to these. So it's quality improvements been a real thing for the innovators and the early adopters, but perhaps most of us who are working hard to try and deliver really good and effective care and try and improve the care we deliver haven't had much access to quality improvement and so the ethos of the articles is about trying to open that out to get people excited about this to sort of reassure people that there's aspects of it that are quite easy and doable and things that people can take back to their workplace and make happen. So it's about clinical effectiveness as much as improving patient care and and involves everything that we do as part of the patient journey. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And in the in this opening article, we spend some time trying to think a little bit about definitions. But I guess I'd want people to not get bogged down in definitions uh, and, and aspects around it. And certainly, we've just had an induction for our new trainees with us. And the conversations that we've had around improvement are about, as well as looking after that one patient who's in front of you, thinking really hard about the wider system, spotting things that don't work, and starting to ask some questions. What could I do about this? How could I make that better? And us as a team being able to support people with the learning and the tools and and the support and supervision to actually make things happen. And to me, that's what it's about, really. It's sort of not getting too bogged down in the definitions, but trying to open up that real culture of curiosity and questions and a determination to try and make things better. And this is happening every day in many hospitals. And the challenge, possibly, Alice, is making it happen. What about on the ground? Those of us working on the front line, if we can see things that we feel would make improvements to care and improve that quality of care how will this series of articles empower people do you think that's exactly what we hope this series of articles will do because we know from our experience that everybody particularly in fact trainees rotating through hospitals will come into a new post and instantly see inconsistencies in practice inefficiencies and be thinking why are you doing things like that i've got a really good idea for how you could make that better And what we know is that in reality, 
life goes on and you very quickly become inured to those problems and you work around them and you don't fix them. But actually, at the same time, a lot of these people are putting a lot of effort into collecting data for audit, really thinking about processes, but there doesn't seem to be that match between the problems you're seeing in front of you and the effort you're putting into collecting data for things like audit. And what we really hope these articles will do is provide some very simple tools, many of which are just structured forms of what we already do, to enable people to say, here's a problem, I've got a really great idea about how to fix it, this is a strategy for demonstrating whether my intervention has been effective or not and showing a real improvement in care. So we really hope that these articles will be extremely practical and enable people to actually make the first steps in really making a difference and improving care for children. There's something about the accessibility of the language around quality improvement as well. Again, I think anything that feels new to people, if you're sitting there thinking about new stuff that you've learnt at some point in your medical career, and think about those early days of it and it, it feels difficult and inaccessible because of the language and the sort of technical aspects of it. And I think by getting a really dynamic group of people, a real mixture of trainees and consultants and we've also got people who are not paediatricians, who've got pharmacists and we've got nurses and we've got healthcare managers also contributing to these articles. Essentially all people who are really passionate about trying to improve care pulling that together, getting that energy that people have, Alice described, the trainees coming through, being a really good example of that, and trying to give them something to, to harness their energy into delivering some really sustainable improvements. There might also be a little bit about permission, um, that you, you particularly, again, for maybe more junior people moving around in posts, but again, perhaps a new consultant stepping into a new post. You see problems... But is it your job to fix them? Surely in our great NHS structure, there are people who fix the problems. But actually what we are aware of is that that isn't the case. And in fact, that as frontline practising clinicians, you may well be in the best position of anyone to observe the problems and know how to fix them because you're the one there delivering the care in the middle of the night and other people aren't there. They don't see how that actually plays out. And so one of the reasons we're using lots of examples in these articles is to show that actually you as a, as a clinical paediatrician have got permission to make the changes where you see that they're needed. And in fact, more than that, it's, it's our role and responsibility. A lot of what we've, you've just been talking about needs that engagement from uh, managers and those who are in a position to authorise some of the change. And some of this change is not cost neutral. So how can the hierarchy be flattened in some way or turned on its head? What are the best ways to work with managers to try and make these changes to improve quality? It's a great question. And I think one of the things that I've learned about this is using learning as a very key way in. It's a brilliant way of flattening hierarchies. It's a great way to get people engaged, to develop new perspectives and understandings of each other. And that's a really crucial part of the whole sort of manager-clinician divide. Um, and I'm really confident that if you get managers and clinicians working together and crucially learning together, 
you suddenly up the aspects of respect. You really increase people's understanding and perspective of the different pressures that people are under. And you have this amazing realisation that actually people are trying to achieve the same broad goals. There's very different methods around trying to do it because of the way we've been trained and the work we're trying to do. When you really unpick it, what are the aims that people have? They're very, very similar. And I think it's about trying to cut through that and using learning as a tool for that. So again, one of the ethoses of the articles is these are about learning they're based in an educational journal and I think that's really really key that people use things people go and try things out um, and experiment with stuff the permission bit's really important I think if you're a trainer um, or an educational supervisor or a, a training lead reading these articles it's worth really thinking about how do you uh, how do you get your training colleagues your consultant colleagues to really think hard about giving people permission to do this stuff so it's not just asking people in that first week when you meet your educational supervisor what audit are you doing about just trying to reframe and rephrase that question and trying to explore and say have you ever done anything that's improved the experience of patients in your department no okay well let's explore that through a conversation and see what sort of thing and there's an article coming about improving patient experience so it's that sort of thing that i'd hope that people will go away and start asking questions in a slightly different way so hopefully this series will give paediatricians and other healthcare professionals working with children uh, an opportunity to think about how to deliver their care better. Um, Alice, are there any structures or formats that could be used in order to apply some QI initiatives? So we've used very much throughout all of the articles something that's called the Model for Improvement, which we've taken from the Institute of Healthcare Improvement um, from the USA. But we find it a really, really helpful model for putting a little bit of structure right at the beginning to planning a project because you may have had your idea or seen the problem and had an idea about how to fix it but there's a very important question is how are you going to know whether the change you make is a real improvement and the model for improvement is a structure that you can apply it asks questions that help you frame where you're going and what the objectives are for your project and then it uses something called the plan do study act cycle to help you work through trying out little tests of change to see whether your interventions are effective and what we found is that it's actually very almost sort of second nature to people to use this it's it's very much based on Kolb's cycle of experiential learning and it's about putting theory into practice trying something out did it work yes or no okay well what do we do next it also echoes very nicely the audit cycle as it should be performed the ideal where we complete that cycle and see the change whereas in reality perhaps we don't do that as often and so we've really tried to frame as many of our articles around this model because we we consider it to be very helpful and anybody who's considering starting a quality improvement project we'd really suggest looking up the model for improvement and starting there. So what can we expect in this series of articles? There are seven articles in in total. The first one's been published introducing quality improvement in paediatrics and child health. What, What else is coming up? Well, there's, there's seven and growing. We hope to hope to put some more on the end. So we really encourage people to get in touch and suggest uh, some ideas. But I think as we've alluded to already, we've tried to focus things on real issues and problems that paediatricians and other colleagues are having to deal with. So the 
next article is going to be around the deteriorating child. And so from there we move on to an article about patient experience. And so this is something that everyone will hear about and talk about in their trust. This is going to really try and go deep beneath that and think about how do we really meaningfully use and learn from patients and parents and carers and whole communities in thinking about completely different ways of delivering healthcare. So ideas around co-production and introducing some quite innovative ideas around thinking about patient experience in a much deeper and meaning, more meaningful way than perhaps historically it has been done. We're then going to go on to look at how we use data and we've alluded to already data really underpins and, and so much of quality improvement. Thinking about how various different concepts around comparisons and and changes in data can be used to support quality improvement work. And then from there, we're going to move on to some specific articles that are going to look at themes. So one of the themes is around prescribing. Big, big issue for us in paediatrics and thinking about how we can improve the prescribing for children and young people is a key area for us to think about. And then we're going to move on to a different area, thinking about outpatients and using some tools such as process mapping and lean to think about how you can get efficiencies um, and uh, develop improvements in those sorts of settings. And then finally, the area that we're going to think about is how do you develop trainers and uh, faculty to be able to deliver and support quality improvement on a really wide scale. And so hopefully that article will support and energise people who've got an interest in that area. I'd like to thank uh, Bob and Alice for joining me in discussing this series of articles on quality improvement called Equipped, which are being published in the Education and Practice section of Archives in the coming months.